Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Awesome. Awesome. Hey, we're glad you're here with us this morning. And I know this is two weeks in a row. And some of you are going, I wouldn't have come if I'd known this. <laughs> I understand. That's why my wife's not here this morning, too. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, she is uh, ministering in song today at her mom and dad's church. And so, uh, uh, so we're... We're divided today, and if there ever was a good weekend for us to be divided, it would be this weekend. So, <laughs> so maybe by the time she gets home this afternoon, we'll, uh, well, no, I don't know. Y'all just pray for it. Y'all just pray for us, okay? Just pray for us. So, but it is good to be with you today. I want to thank Pastor again for the opportunity to minister this morning and and uh, man, we have had an incredible week here at Elm Grove, a uh, busy week, and uh, we couldn't do what we do without you guys. Um, this, uh, not only Pastor and myself and this uh, and, and and our church staff and leadership, but but our community thanks you. Um, this community, every time I'm talking to people in the community and we talk about Elm Grove, our community, man, they just. Uh, they, 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 they love our church. They love our church family. And, and so uh, uh, you mean so much to this area. So thank you so much for that. And I know this morning, you know, we were going to sing when the saints come marching in, but we decided when the saints come dragging in, and then we decided we'll just knock that song off totally. And so uh, <laughs> but we, we know you're, you're, you're marching this morning, and, and some of you are tired and exhausted from all this week's activities, and we, we understand. So just sit back and relax, and let's, uh, let's get in the presence of God. Yeah. And the presence of God is where we're renewed. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be doing that this morning. Um, as I start off, I'm, I'm going to ask a question. Don't stone me. Don't throw me out. Don't kick me out. I'm just asking a question. How many remember the song by the Rolling Stones, I Can't Get No Satisfaction? How many... Raise your hand right now. We want to see who all the heathens are in the place. Okay. Look around. No, I'm just joking. You remember that song? There. <laughs> Pastor just said that was before his time. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, if... <laughs> You know, and the, the song, I was listening to it last night because it just kind of fit this. I was going to share it with you this morning, and I thought, no, I don't have that much guts. But <laughs> I enjoyed my ministry too much to leave it like that. Uh, but, you know, the song goes, I can't get no satisfaction. And then it goes, and I try, and I try. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And I try, and I try. You're right. I can't get no. Right? Yeah. yeah. Come on, put your hands together. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We already took the offering, right? We should be good. Good. <laughs> How do you know people like that? That's their life song. They can't get no satisfaction. I'm just sitting, but now I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But how many know people like they're unhappy, they're unfulfilled, they're unsatisfied? 
And that's their, that's their life song right now. If you were to believe what the commercials tell you, you would believe that contentment was something that could be sprayed on, rolled on, inhaled, wore, drunk, eaten, or driven, right? If you watch, you know, and some of these commercials are really good. Like if you're not brushing with that toothpaste, you're not living life, right? right? That's the best, best toothpaste out there. And if you're not brushing with that toothpaste, something's wrong with you. And if you're not driving that car, something, something's wrong with you. Whatever car you're driving, it's got to be a lemon because this, this car has, has everything. Yeah. And those clothes, man, if you're not wearing those clothes, you might as well not be wearing any because those are the, don't try that, don't try that. But those clothes, those are the greatest clothes. And, and if you're not wearing this, this cologne, then, then you stink like B.O., right? No matter what cologne you wear, if you're not wearing this one, then your life is messed up. You have to have this to be content. You have to drink this to be content. You have to eat here to be content. You have to do this, have to drive this, have to wear this, have to smell like this, have to look like this. Ladies, if you don't have this makeup, then you are not content. Right? It's out there. So I'm going to ask the question this morning, what is the secret of contentment? I know last week I talked about getting into Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego this morning, but God just kind of sh- sh- shifted me throughout this week, and I really feel like this is where we're supposed to go. What is the secret, especially as we head into Thanksgiving and Christmas? What is the secret of a satisfying life? How many know if you could bottle contentment, you can make millions overnight? If you could bottle it up. This is Contentment by Calvin Klein, right? You'd be rich like that. Philippians 4, 11, and 12 says this. It says, I've learned, Paul's writing, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And I know what it is to be in need and know what it is to have plenty. How many can testify with Paul? I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Now, what is contentment as we talk about this? Well, let me make this statement real quick. It's not apathy. It's not laziness. It's not complacency. That's not contentment. Contentment is independent from circumstances. We do not base our joy on the situations around us. Joy comes from within. So how do you get that kind of contentment and satisfaction in your life? How can we avoid singing the song, I can't get, no. How can we avoid that? Well, Paul says contentment is learned. It's not something that's instant. It's not a one-time experience. We can't bring you up this morning. I, I, th- I think sometimes we really, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up in this thing. I grew up in the Assembly of God. I grew up in the Pentecostal church. And, you know, and we'd pull people up and we'd pray for people and we'd pray for things. I'm like, you, you can't lay hands on people and just, you know, have, you know there's got to be things that we got to walk out ourselves. Anyone understand what I'm saying? Contentment is not something that we can say, hey, everyone that's not content with your life, come on up, we're going to lay hands on you, and when you turn around and go home, you're going to be content. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And so um, how, Paul says it's, it's, it's not something that's instant. It's not a one-time experience. It's not a lay hands on you and be content for the rest of your life. Life is a school of contentment. And, and the problem is that most people never learn 
and they die unfulfilled and unsatisfied and unhappy. I don't want to die unsatisfied, unfulfilled, and unhappy. I don't want to do that. So how do we learn contentment? Well, how do we experience real contentment in our life? Well, Paul gives us four lessons here. We're going to go through these this morning about how to have a satisfying, abundant life that's full of contentment, that we are content with our life. Number one, okay, if we want to walk this out, number one, we've got to learn to avoid comparison. We've got to learn to avoid comparison. Look at your neighbor on your left. Look at your neighbor on your right. Guess what? It don't matter. It don't matter. Comparing yourself to others always leads to discontent. In verse 11, it says this. It says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And that, that comes from not comparing yourself. If you want to learn to live a life of content, you've got to learn how to avoid comparison. There will always be people that have more money than you. There will always be people that seem to have greater opportunities than you do. There will always be people who seem to have fewer problems than you do. But guess what? What they have and what they do and where they go has no bearing at all on your personal joy. Nothing at all. I know. How many of you like me? You, you, you hop on Facebook or Instagram, you know, uh, you know, and, and you, you just, you're just kind of scrolling through there and you're sitting at home and you're eating your ramen noodles or you're eating your, you know, bologna and cheese, which is amazing, by the way. You, you know, you're eating, you're eating those things and you're scrolling and, you know, you're sitting at home or maybe, you know, you, you've took your kids to the park and you think, hey, we're, we're, you know, we're doing pretty good. Mom and dad, we're doing all right right now. We're down at the park eating bologna and cheese, you know. Y'all, y'all go swing. Y'all go play on the teeter-totter, you know, just don't kill each other, right? We're, we'll be all right. And you're sitting there, and you're feeling pretty good. I'm a good dad. I'm a good. We're down here enjoying this nice day at the park. You're scrolling through, and there's your friend. They're eating steak and lobster at Walt Disney World. Right? Or maybe you took your kids. You took, <laughs> you took your kids to Six Flags, you know. And, and you know, even at Six Flags now, it costs an arm and a leg to go to Six Flags. So you go to Six Flags, and you spend all this money at Six Flags, and then on the way back, true story really happened. On the way back, you know, scrolling through social media, we find out friends of ours, they're not at Six Flags, they're at Disney World, right? Dad, why can't we go to Disney World? I just spent 5000 bucks, right? Helping you puke your guts out after every ride and then replacing it with corn dogs. And now we're on our way back home, and oh, little Johnny and little Susie, they're in Disney World, and now we're not content. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're going on vacation, talking to your family. Canton Lake's beautiful this time of year, right? Take them down to Canton Lake. Everything was good. Scroll on your Facebook. There's someone in Hawaii at the beach. <laughs> You're like, why can't we go to Hawaii? <laughs> Well, you can, but I don't have enough money to get us back. That's the problem. <laughs> My wife might say, that's okay. I'll stay. We all, we, and social media has done us a real injustice in this because now we are comparing. What, what's happening now is we are comparing our behind the scenes to other people's highlight reels. 
we're compared because we know our behind the scenes. And so we see, we, we see the Smiths and the Joneses and, you know, and, and, and all these other people. They're out living the life and they're out doing all this. Well, they're flashing their highlight reels on Facebook. No one's putting a picture of their baloney and cheese on Facebook. But every family has baloney and cheese moments. And so we start comparing our baloney and cheese moments to their steak and lobster moments when God says, hey, you've got your steak and lobster moments too. <laughs> Stop comparing. Stop comparing. If we want to live a life of, 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 of discontent, then we'll, be, we'll, prepare, we'll compare ourselves to each other. We'll compare our families to theirs. We'll compare our vacations to theirs. We'll compare our cars to theirs. We'll compare our house to theirs. We'll compare our money to theirs. We'll compare our stuff to theirs. But if you want to live a life that is full of content, where you feel content in your life with Christ, stop comparing your life with others. Paul says, I don't look around at what we see right now, the troubles all around us. I look forward to the joys in heaven. This is 2 Corinthians 4.18. The troubles will soon be over, but the joys that come will last forever. Paul says, I don't look around and I don't look down. I look up. And if you want to be content in life, don't look down, don't look around, you look up. And you keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. There's three misconceptions about happiness here. Three misconceptions. Number one, I must have what others have to be happy. That's the myth that sells fashion. Right? That's the myth that sells things. If you don't have this, you can't be happy. The new iPhone 10X, right? How in the world are we going to make it without the iPhone 10? I just got this new iPhone 8, and it's just so old, right? This is horrible. My, 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 my mom and dad don't love me. Right? <laughs> Come on, somebody. I gotta have what others have to be happy. What does the iPhone 10 do that your phone doesn't? It's got a better picture. Well, bless God. <laughs> it's got a screen that's half an inch bigger. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Get you an iPad. They're two hundred dollars. <laughs> you have a screen this big. I got to have what others have to be happy. That is a lie. That is a myth. Got to have what others have to be happy. That's not true. I got to be liked by everyone to be happy. That's a lie. We spend so much of our time trying to win approval from people we don't even like. I was talking with one of our students in youth group and the, about a week and a half ago and just visiting with him. And, and he had just... <laughs> he just did some things in his life because he, he was trying, he, he was dressing a certain way and, and when I was talking to him I found out he was doing this because he was trying to win the approval of some other guys in his class because he was you know, wanting to be and I'm like, you don't like them anyways why do you want to be in their group? You, you, your life doesn't match up with the way they're living theirs why you, I don't know <laughs> and listen that doesn't stop at teenagers, we do that as adults we do that as adults, try to, to be liked by people who we don't even like in the first place. How many know you can't go through life without disapproval? If you do anything, someone's not going to like it. Just ask all the defensive coaches from yesterday's ball games. 
If you're in the winning team or losing team, it don't matter. You were getting ripped yesterday. But guess what? Even Jesus couldn't please everybody. You don't need everyone's approval to be happy. I don't have to take a poll on Facebook. Are you happy with me? Check yes or no. I may not like the answer. Be honest, I don't want to see the answer. And so you don't have to you don't have to be liked by everybody. And then number three, the, the, the next myth about happiness is having more will make me happy. Howard Hughes was asked, How much money does it take to make a man happy? I love his response. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Anyone ever notice as your income goes up, so does your expenses? I'll leave that alone. How do we know all possessions are temporary? They're just loaned to us. We use them while we're here on earth. We have a good time with them. We enjoy them. God doesn't mind us enjoying things here on earth. We use them. We share them. We use them for the glory of God. But they're not going to last. If you're looking for a tweet, if you're looking for a Facebook moment, here it is. Don't get an obsession with your possession. Don't get an obsession with your possession. Stop comparing yourself to others what everyone else has. Number two, learn to adjust to change. Learn to adjust. Look at your neighbor and say, he's meddling now. He's meddling. He went to full out meddling. Life is full of ups and downs. Emotional, physical, mental, financial. There's nothing certain in life except this, change. Change is certain. And how do you handle that? How do you handle when things are changing? Do you get moody? Do you get frightened? Do you get angry? Do you get tight? Paul says, I've learned one of the secrets of living it to be content in life. And that's the ability to adjust to circumstances and to change. Your happiness in life will largely be dependent upon your ability to adapt, to adjust, and to be flexible. Because change is going to happen whether we like it or not. It's going to happen. Verse 12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul said, I've seen good times, and I've seen bad. And what do these experiences teach Paul? Well, the Berkeley translation of the word says this, I've learned to be joyful, independent of my circumstances. When he's writing this, check it out, Paul, he is old, he's lonely, he's in a cold Roman prison. That's where Paul's at. He's away from his friends. Yet you see him saying, I can handle this, no problem. I got this. I avoid comparison, I adjust to change. I'm flexible. We must be flexible because how many know circumstances usually aren't? Paul says, no matter what I go through, I'm not a victim. I'm not going to be a victim. I'm not going to let people control my life no matter the hurt or the experience or the difficulty I go through, I have every reason to carry bad memories. I have every reason to carry bad feelings. I have every reason to carry this hurt mentality, but I'm not going to let it victimize me because this is true freedom. I will learn to be content in any and every situation. I'll learn that. I'm not controlled by circumstances. I'm not manipulated by the things in my life. Have you ever heard people say, well, I'm okay under the circumstances? You ever heard someone say that? You were never made to live under the circumstances. 
You were never made, I wanted to shout that, but this thing is, you were never made to live under the circumstances. Jesus didn't, didn't, didn't die for us to live under the circumstances. Jesus didn't shed his blood to us to live under the circumstances. Jesus died so we could get on top of it. Jesus died so we could have life and have it more abundant. Jesus died so that we could have a fulfilling, abundant, a total, awesome, amazing life. Get above the circumstances in your life. Get above it. Get above it. No matter what it is, guess what? Yesterday was a bad day for me, but this morning I'm above it. I don't care about a football game anymore. That's gone. Now, if we won, I'd still care about it. But (laughs) you got to make a choice. You got to get above it. A few years ago, I'd have been depressed this morning. A few years ago, I'd ate oatmeal this morning. But I didn't. I got to add me a bowl of chocolate cereal. Life is good. I get above my circumstances. I'm going to be all right. Jesus still loves me. God's still good. I still have a home in heaven. Nothing that happened yesterday is going to change any of that. Woo! Glory to God. It's good stuff. I'm almost preaching myself happy. sometimes we have to adjust change is going to happen sometimes we don't adjust to circumstances sometimes we adjust to people and we know sometimes people don't change so we got to learn Romans 12 18 says if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone sometimes we have to adjust the key to adjusting, I'm just sharing it from my experience, is having a sense of humor. You got to learn how to laugh at yourself. You got to learn how to look in the mirror and say, you goober. Right? You got to learn how to laugh at yourself. The people who are the most emotionally balanced and stable in life are those who have developed a keen sense of humor. Well, I'm really stable. <laughs> But you got to have the ability to laugh at yourself. you got to have the ability to laugh. Your problems, your difficulties, those are going to come. We're not exempt from those. But you got to learn to laugh. It's crucial to learning how to adjust. And if you don't adjust, see, here's the thing. Not only do we have people, but we have organizations that haven't learned how to adjust, and they're dying. They're dying because if you don't learn how to adjust, you will die out or you will burn out. And so you've got to learn how to adjust. Circumstances demand flexibility in life. So learn to adjust. Number three, learn to draw on Christ's power. Instead of just depending on my own effort to make it through circumstances, my own energy, I'm going to draw from Christ. Verse 13, Philippians, uh, Philippians 4.13. Y'all ever heard this verse? It says what? Oh, yeah, yeah. I can do all things. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. You can handle when the kids are tearing the house down. You can handle when your husband's tearing the house down. You can handle it. When the stock market crashes, we can handle it. When the housing goes south, we can handle it. 
When we have problems and we don't know where to go, we can handle it. Why? Because I can do all things how? Through Christ. I can do all things, not on my own effort. I can't cope on my own. But I have an external power source that I can tap into. When Paul was not depending on his own power. He was depending upon God's power. I can do all things through Christ. Do you know how to know when you're depending on your own power? When you get tired and fatigued and cranky. When you, oh, that'll preach this morning, won't it? We all, our bodies wear down. But when we start spewing attitudes, come on, somebody. There's sometimes we're just going to be flat wore out. And we, we have some in here, man, after everything you've done this week, man, this is your wore out Sunday. We understand. But how do we know when we're doing it in our own strength? is when that attitude begins coming out of the mouth. Hey, welcome to church this Sunday. Well, I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Hey, rib dinner's coming up in a couple of weeks. Oh, my goodness. Do we ever slow down? Yeah, when we draw our last breath. Until then, there's people to win for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we're going to tap into his strength and we're going to keep going and we're going to see more people come to the Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Take off Thanksgiving. We'll let you do that. <laughs> Everybody still with me? All right. Is this good? All right. We're, we're, we're going well. We're going well. Let's go fourth thing here. We'll be wrapping up. Fourth thing is this. Learn to trust God. To meet my needs. Learn to how do you want to you want to live a content life? Learn to trust God to meet my needs. This is the secret of satisfaction. Verse 19. It says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. According to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, check this out. When when I buy an insurance policy, I read through it. it. It's it's wise to read through it to see what's covered, right? It's wise. Um, when I know what's covered, I don't have to worry. I know it's covered. And so if something happens, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to go frantically searching the policy because I know it's covered. It's good. It's in there. That's why I paid for it. Right? The Bible is God's insurance policy. It's already been paid for. Jesus paid our premium. What was our premium? Our premium is the blood of Jesus Christ, his own blood. He paid the premium. But so many people are worrying today and stressing out about things they shouldn't be worrying and stressing out about because they don't know what's in the policy. There are 6,000 promises in God's policy. 6,000 promises in the word of God that we can stand on. But we've got to get in the word and understand what's covered. What's covered? Oh, come on, somebody. And once you have that guarantee, you don't have to worry. Guess what? My family, it's, they're covered. <laughs> My marriage, it's covered. My ministry, it's covered. You're, you, come on, somebody. You got to get in the book. You got to get in the word. You got to find out what's covered. Because I know in my life, I've stressed out about things that when I open the book, I'm like, that's covered. Why am I worrying about this? God said, if I'll do this, he'll do this. I'm lining myself up. God's got this. It's covered. 
In, in, in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, it says this. So do not start worrying, where will my food come from, or my drink, or my clothes? Your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. Instead, be concerned about everything else with God's kingdom, and he will provide you all these other things. Put God first, and he'll take care of all your needs. Put him at the center, and everything else will be taken care of. The real reason that we are unhappy, the real reason that we are satisfied, the real reason, the, the, real, the real reason, the real reason that we are unfulfilled is because Jesus Christ is not the center of our life. We're looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. How many know that country song? Looking for love in all the wrong places. I can do country and rock today. How many remember that song? Well, we got people sitting in church houses that are looking for love in all the wrong places. They're looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. They're looking for hope in all the wrong places. But they've come into the house of God and they're saying, okay, what is it that, 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 that can fill this gap, this void in my life? You were made with such a vacuum in your heart, in your life, that there's only one thing that can fill that gap. There's only one thing that can fulfill that void. It's not a relationship with someone else. It's not a, more money. It's not a bigger house. It's not more this and more that. It's a relationship with the one and only Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's it. That's it. God made you that way so that there would be a drawback to him. He made you that way. So stop looking everywhere else. Stop looking in the bottle. Stop looking for the next hit. Stop looking for, for those things that say, you know, stop and, and, and give it all to God. Calm down. So which of these four things do we need to really take to heart this morning? Which these four things do we really need to learn or to relearn? What's really speaking to us today? Is it the foolishness of comparing ourselves to everyone else? Comparing ourselves to others? How I many know when you compare yourself, it leads to jealousy, it leads to envy, it leads to pride, or it leads to misery? No one has ever in the history of the world compared themselves to someone else and say, well, I'm about perfect. How you compare yourself? You're like, they're better than me or I'm better than them. You're either up or you're down. And both places are not where God wants you to be. Maybe that's it. You don't have to be liked by everybody. You don't have to have more. What situations left you unsatisfied? Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your, <laughs> that you're not married. Paul says, I've learned to be content in any and every situation. If you can change it, do it. Contentment is not complacency. If it's, unchangeable, if it's an unchangeable element in your life, you need to learn to be content. Let me go back. I skipped something. I, wanna, I really feel like God telling me to go back to this right now. Okay? And, and we're going to hit this real quick. Hit this real quick. About adjusting to change. Adjusting to change. That was point two, adjusting to change. I was skipping it for time, but the Holy Spirit's saying going back. There are three types of circumstances in our life. There are three types of circumstances in our life. Number one, those I can control, and I do. Those I can control, and I do. What's that? For me, that's my TV remote. Okay? I can control it, and I do. Guess what? Do you remember when you was a kid and you'd come home from school hungry? And you'd say, oh, Mom, I'm so hungry. And she'd go, well, supper's going to be ready in an hour and a half. Stay out of the kitchen. Right? 
I'm starving. If I don't get something to eat right now, I'm going to wither away to nothing. You're not going to have a son anymore. Right? She's like, get out of the kitchen. I'm cooking right now. And you'd go, <laughs> right? Now, I'm 37 years old. I am a grown man. I have the opportunity to go in that kitchen whenever I want. And get, if I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I can go get me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. If I want chips and salsa, I can get me chips and salsa. If I want a dreamsicle bar, I can get me a dreamsicle bar. If I want all three, I am a man. I can do it. <laughs> right? I have the ability. I, there are things that I can control and I do. And every time I do, I hear my mama saying, supper be ready. Just don't, don't spoil your supper. Right? <laughs> I'm going to spoil it and I'm going to eat supper too. Right? There are things that you can control and you do. Number two, there are things that you can control and you don't. Oh, this is good. Contentment is not laziness. It's not complacency. If you can change a situation, you don't need contentment. You need to step up and do it. If you can change a relationship, if you can change your relationship with, 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 with your son or your daughter or your husband or wife, if you can change a relationship on the job, if you can change, if there's something in your life that you can change, then step up and change it. Don't sit back and say, well, I'm just content like this. No, change it. Make it better. There are things that we can control, but we don't. Come on, somebody. And number three, there are things I cannot control. And how many know these are the things that keep us awake at night? And we stress out about these things. And we play the worst scenario game in our, in our mind. Right? Well, if that happens and that happens and that happens and that happens, oh, my goodness. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Isn't it funny how late at night when you're trying to go to bed, that's when the devil wakes up? Yeah. You're sitting there going, oh, yeah. I just, man, I just want not tall. I want to help me get my disease. Right? And the devil's like, what, what, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if that happens? And what if that happens? And you know they're going to, and you know, and then you're going to go to work and they're probably going to fire you. And then you're, you're going to come home and you're, you know, your wife, your husband, they're not going to be here. They're going to be out shopping with all your credit cards. <laughs> The trick's on you, devil. We're maxed out already. <laughs> right? <laughs> come on. I don't know where that come from. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's the things that we can't control that drive us crazy. And we, we do. I know I have. You play that worst scenario game in your, in your mind. And that's where we've got to learn to be content and give it to God. And say, you know what? I can't control it. And you know what I've learned? I'm just going to share from you um, all my years of wisdom. (laughs) I'm almost at a year of wisdom now. Uh, When I play out worst case scenarios in my life and the things I think could go wrong, 99% of the time never happen. God's grace and God's mercy. He's got my back. And he's got your back too. Amen. He's got your back too. So of all these things, come on, what's, what's, what's dealing with us this morning? Where are we living this life of discontent? Where are we living this life? We've got to learn to draw, not only adjust to change, 
We've got to learn to draw on Christ's power. And we've got to learn to trust God to meet our needs. Amen? Yeah. Hey, stand your feet with me this morning. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you would, just to bow your heads and close your eyes and just have a few moments here to allow you to respond to the Word of God today. And understand this, contentment doesn't mean that you like the situation you're in. You don't hear Paul saying he enjoys being in prison. You don't hear Paul saying, man, this place is just fantastic. I could stay here forever. What you hear Paul saying is, I'm content. I've learned to be content in any and every situation. I'm not overjoyed by my situation. But Paul said, I'm not conning myself. I'm not socking myself out. I'm not pretending to like what I really hate. That's not contentment. That's silly. Contentment is saying, I don't care what I'm going through. Christ, you're with me. You're with me. Your power in me. With you, I can do all things. With you, I can make it. God, I never thought I'd be here. I never thought I'd be in this situation. I never thought I'd be having these conversations. I never thought I would be changing jobs right now. I never thought that we'd be going without right now. I never thought I'd be in this situation. But God, your power in me, I've got hope. I don't have to have the perfect situation, the perfect relationship to be happy. If you do, you're never going to be happy. You got to learn how to be happy in spite of what's going on. That's contentment. How? You draw on Christ's power. Paul says, I can master anything with Christ's power in me. Stop depending on your own strength. Stop depending on your own power. Get the hope so that you can cope. Plug in. And when you give up on your own power and you're infused with his power, you'll go further and go higher and do better than you ever thought or imagined. Pastor Jared, man, as you're speaking this morning, I realize I'm not living a life of contentment. And this morning, the secret has been passed through the word of God. And I want to respond today. And God, I want you to help me. Help me to rely on you. Help me to draw from your strength. Help me to draw from your power. Help me to walk in your word. Help me to get in your insurance policy to know every promise that you have so that I do not worry and I don't fret about something that's covered by the blood of Jesus. If that's you this morning, come on, will you slip your hand up right now? Yes, thank you, yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you, yes. Anybody else? Yes, thank you, sir. Yes, thank you, ma'am. Yes, sir, thank you. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank, thank you, guys. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
Father, right now in Jesus' name, you see every hand that was raised. God, you see every, every person. And God, when we respond to this call, it doesn't mean we don't love you. It doesn't mean that we don't have a relationship with you. It doesn't mean that there's some secret sin hiding in our life. God, what it means is that we've yet to learn how to be discontent. How to be content. We've, we've, we've learned how to be discontent. We've allowed the world to speak into our heart and to speak into our life on a situation or on circumstances that are facing us right now. And it's causing us stress. It's causing us hurt. It's causing us pain. It's causing us frustration. It's causing us worry. God, that you never intended for us to carry. And so, God, this morning, God, I, I pray that every hand that was raised, and God, there were so many. God, that whatever that is, God, as they raise their hand, they know the situation. They know what, what's going on in their heart and their life. Holy Spirit, you're illuminating that in them right now. And so we're either going to have the strength to step up and do something about it, if it's something that we can control, we're going to have the strength to have that conversation. We're going to have the strength to make that change. We're going to have the strength to say no where we need to say no and say yes to where we need to say yes. But God, there's some things that are just totally out of our control. And God, we've lost too much sleep already. We've worried too much already. And so God, we're giving it over to you. We are unhitching it from our life. We're removing it. We're giving it. We're casting our care upon you because we know your word says you care for us. And God, we're not going to pick it back up. We're not going to take it back with us. God, this morning we're laying at the feet of Jesus. And we're saying in any and every situation, I can say like Paul, I've learned. I've learned how to be content, whether well-fed or hungry whether in need or in want or having more than enough. God, you are enough. So God, fill my heart and fill my life. And God, that void, that vacuum, God, fill it with only what can fit in that place. And that's your love. And so Father, I ask this today. In Jesus' mighty name, stretch your hand minister to hearts and lives this morning and do what only you can do today. And we give you praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.